Hey friends, welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. So happy to be here with you today. The music in the background, as you know, is from our good buddy, Mr. Drew Holcomb. His new album, Dragons, is incredible. I hope you have listened to it. And remember, he's out on tour. I saw him at the Ryman, and it's just unbelievable. So you got to go. Go to drewholcomb.com and make sure you catch him in concert. Today on the show is one of my dear friends that I have known just for all, just about the entire time this has been my job. Sarah May is just incredible and fun, and we had the best time. We went to lunch, then we sat and talked for the podcast, and this one is really special. I do want to give you a little info, uh, maybe a trigger warning of sorts, um, that Sarah May is going to tell her full story, and there's some abusive parts of that conversation, and so just want to give you a heads up on that if that is something you um, want to be warned about. I wanted to make sure you knew that was coming. Sarah May has a new book that is just releasing called The Complicated Heart. I think you're going to love it. So here's my conversation with my friend, Sarah May. Yes, you gave me a flamingo. Let's start there. That I won't make you nervous. Flamingo. I love it. It's I'm so, so thoughtful. <laughs> we, we, we did the Enneagram Summer this year. We talked about how much when Enneagram 7s give gifts, if it has any thought behind it, mm. more than like, oh, I know she likes blah, 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 so I got right. her blah, blah, or I know she likes right. da, 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 so I got her. But anything that goes, hey, there's a little story here. Yeah. It means so much to 7s, yeah. so thank you. Well, that makes me happy because <laughs> otherwise I was like, this could go really bad. <laughs> no, that's, no. I've never given anybody, just so you know, ever in my life, a pink yard flamingo. It was just me. I'm the was, first one. You're the only one. And now it sits proudly in my office. Yes. And it's one of mine. Right I next have twins. to a Dan B. Swanson bobblehead. Uh-huh. And your tour bus. And my tour bus that because you know I have a dream to wrap a bus. Yes, I do. And so my when Looking for Lovely came out, my booking agent Brian, uh, he got me a tiny bus wrapped. It's so it. cute. I know it has my face on it. It's just a dream. I just I just think it'd be so funny for all of our friends that like listen to the podcast or read books or whatever to like be driving down the road and see yes. my face. Because it, it's going to be huge. Yes. I mean, it's not going to be small. We we went it's to a bus see size. John Chris this summer yes. and we oh, had so saw many his heads. bus yes. and we were like, oh my word. He has a semi with his face on it like yes. six times. The first time I saw it, I took a picture and I sent it and I was like, I think that's excessive, John. <laughs> and he, I was like, I feel like this is a lot and I you're think you really should do showing that. your true colors. I think you and should do And then I want to do it pictures. just like it. I'm going to. Um, so thanks for being in Nashville and doing this. <laughs> I'm so I'm happy so to grateful. be here and do this. We have known each other since it's been a long 12 time. 12 or 13. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. When was your first year running? You used to have a conference that was mm -hmm. at one point called Relevant. But mm -hmm. And then it was a loom. A loom was probably what people know it for. Uh, you know, I should know this, but I think it was, I think we started in 2011. Okay. I think. Tell me what was in you that you wanted to create a conference. What was mm -hmm. not, I mean, people were already doing conferences, but what was mm -hmm. the hole yeah. or the gap that you mm -hmm. thought it, what what me and my friends build here will meet a need for women that isn't being mm -hmm. met right now. Yeah, it was that there wasn't a Christian women's blogging and social media conference. And how oh, it all happened okay. was, and the reason I was interested in that was because I had gone to another conference. It was my first blogging conference. Yeah. And I was sitting around a table of women and they were all going around and they're like, what do you blog about? Like, what do you do? And I was the only one who was like, um, I talk about faith. <laughs> you know, yeah, you kind of feel like, yeah. and everybody kind of just scooches past you because nobody right. really knows how to deal with that when everyone's like, I do fashion or couponing right. or right. life, whatever. I do love the couponing blogs. I, I do too. I thought they were I mean, I'm so terrible interesting at, it. at the time. Yeah, yeah, me too. But um, so there wasn't anything that was, I was against any of those things. Yeah. It was more like I sent out a tweet and I said something like, man, it would be really cool to have a conference with kindred spirits who like yeah. we could talk about God freely and like also 
this thing that we're doing in this whole new world of blogging. I think it was Sophie Hudson said at one of the conferences, we're the first generation to do this. Yes. And that really hit me. Like everyone who's coming up behind us, like we did it, like we are the first generation of bloggers, really. And so that is, that was the gap because lots of people said, oh, I would love that. I would love to do that. So I don't know, I would, I don't know if I would do it today necessarily, but it was just the idea that you could freely talk about all the things you are doing with people who got it. There are so many of our friends who are listening, men and women who think, who are hosting conferences at mm-hmm. their churches or at their events that are that are wanting to build something mm. because they think there's a gap somewhere. Yes. So what was the first how did you know you wanted to do it? How mm-hmm. did how did it look at the start? What did you do first? <laughs> well, I was insane. Yeah. Because that's what we need to tell of you. If you feel crazy, you're yeah. doing the right thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't it had to have been of God because it was the most insane decision. First of all, my husband and I had two pennies scrubbed together. We had yeah. like one vehicle his dream of becoming a police officer didn't happen because he was born partially deaf and he'd gone to college for it. He, a police station wanted to hire him and then they found out police academy won't pass you with hearing aids. Oh my gosh. So his dreams fell apart. It was awful, depressing, terrible. But I've never known he had hearing aids. Yeah. Oh. So you wouldn't know based on how he talks. Yeah. Uh, he's got in-the-ear hearing aids, so he hears very, very well, better than okay. we do um, when he's when he has them both in. And yeah. so his dreams fell apart. He was crushed. But mm-hmm. we were newly married, and I um, had just had a baby. And Sarah, so, what do you do when that happens, when your husband's dreams get crushed and you're brand new at sharing a house with him and a person? You cry a lot. Yeah. Because honestly, like he became a different person because wow. I had only known him for, we had dated for six months and then we got married three months after that. And he okay. was like this solid, awesome meet? guy. We met actually in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh-huh. Um, on a missions trip with the Navigators. Are you oh, familiar with the Navigators? Yeah, of course. Mission trip goggles. You oh, did it. Oh, <laughs> totally did it. Except that he was a freshman in college and I was a junior. And I was like, Ooh, I can't date you. Like, right. you're a freshman. Right. And then, of course, the next year he was all, I want to pursue you for marriage. Yeah. And I was like, okay. Right. <laughs> so I graduated. We got married. He had two years of school left. Okay. And then we have this baby. Yeah. And so <laughs> how this leads into the conference is that we he had to just go get a job at like yeah. HVAC, like working a construction kind of situation and I was home I had two babies and I had just had another one um, when I was started blogging because I was really um, desperate and lonely and sad and didn't think I had postpartum but looking back I probably did and he was working all the time just so we could make ends meet and he said like you need a hobby like you Mm. need to do something because I was kind of like just drawing everything from him and so I tried like couponing and I was terrible and I tried scrapbooking and I tried sewing and I was like trying to do all these homemaking things, you know, because yeah. I'm a homemaker and I was terrible at everything. And <laughs> finally I was like, well, what else do I like to do? And I was like, well, I love to lead Bible studies in my home. Oh, cool. So I was like, maybe I could just do that online because I'd seen a friend have this thing called a blog. This oh, is in 2007. Yeah. yeah. So I started doing it. And then, of course, it turns out I love doing this. So it's yeah. my escape. And every night I'm writing, It's definitely becomes the hobby. You know? I loved it. I love your blog. And then an incredible story later, you know, all that there's a million things we could talk about, but I'll skip over that. So then to the conference, I was like, okay, this would be cool. I'm, I, I would really like to do that. Well, um, I had gotten advice from other people who'd run conferences, and they're like, you're going to need all this money. Like, you're going to have to do all this stuff. And well, we didn't have any money. Yeah. But I already said, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do this conference. And I called hotels, and I was trying to figure out what to do. And the first hotel said, you need a $1,000 
down payment. And I was like, yeah. I don't have a thousand bucks. Well, right. we got our very first sponsor that week. Oh my gosh. For a thousand dollars. So like a, a nonprofit or a publishing house or something. That it was said, Tommy well, Nelson. I, <laughs> Tommy Nelson was the first one. Uh-huh. We honor you, Tommy Nelson. We, we honor you, you, Tommy Nelson. And once I had them, because uh-huh. they were a big name, then all of these, uh, everybody else came. How'd you get them? Did you send an email? Yeah. Yes, girl. And I think, well, you know what it was? It was because in that beginning blogging bubble, everybody was getting little sidebar ads. Yes. And every company was buying them, it yes. seemed like. And yes. so I think I must have had one from them. Like, I think they'd Got reach it. out to me. And yeah. I don't remember how it all happened. I just know it was a really magical time yeah. where the world was wide open in a really special and unique way. It wasn't saturated, yep. you know? Yep. And so then it was like everybody, um, we were able to cover the conference. We, and I had really wise business advice from my father-in-law who said, you know, make sure you, whatever the, add up all your expenses first and then double that to do your ticket prices. So, oh, that, wow. so that you don't end up, because you don't know what all is going to come down the pike. Right. And so we did that and we never were in debt in the conference. Yeah. We always, we never tried to earn an income. That was never even a thought in my brain. Right. Which ironically, at the end of the whole thing, I sat crying on my couch because you know you pour yourself out for an entire yeah. year and it was so worth it and it was so beautiful and I think we had like $800 like left yeah. and then we found out we'd made a mistake in accounting and I think it was like 8000 I was like oh, oh my gosh, gosh we actually like <laughs> made some money like you know it was like $8,000 you know we were just shocked yeah. anyway so um, it was so it was so pure I don't know how else to say it how it many years so did y'all do relevant and so Atlanta? I did it for three and then I was burned out. I mean, uh-huh. I was I was very, very done. And uh-huh. then I gave it to my friend Logan yeah. to do it um, because she was like, you can't stop doing it. Like, God yeah. is working. And I was like, well, then you take it because right. I'm done. Yeah. Like, I was, I mean, I was burned out. Why? What happened? Well, I was doing the conference. I was writing my first book. And I still had three little kids. Yeah. And one much. of those is enough. That's right. One of those That's is right. enough. And I was doing all of them. And, and I was getting... I'll never forget sitting in my chair, stressed out, trying to make sure all the sponsors had everything that they needed. And my and I think I said something like, oh, like I, 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 I'm quitting right now. And I meant like for the day. And my daughter goes, she was probably four or five, and she goes, oh, I'm so glad you're quitting. Oh, my gosh. And I was like, oh, like I, I don't want to keep doing this. Right. Like right. I, it's not worth it. I actually took an entire year off then and yeah. did not do anything online and just went after wow, I remember. the hearts of my kids because I thought I don't want to lose them. And God gave me, I know this is like a tricky water to say this, but I, I don't know how else to say it. So yeah. I'm just going to. Um, there's only been probably two times in my entire life where I felt like God really impressed something yeah. in me. Oh, in we a love dream. this here. We love hearing how God yeah. speaks to people. So in a dream. It was in a dream. And it was so very clear. And I felt like he said, if you don't stop now, you're going to regret your life in 15 years. And in 15 years, my daughter would have been 18, would yeah. be 18. Yeah. And I was like, I don't want to regret. And it was like, yeah. it felt like bricks on my chest. Yes. Bricks yes. on my chest. Like if you can keep doing this, you have the freedom mm-hmm. to do it, mm-hmm. but you will regret it. Yeah. Yeah. And I quit. Yes. I went home and quit. Good girl. And it was painful because we'd relied on my income too. So that was really hard for my husband because with everything, we discussed everything together. Yeah. And this was the first time I think in our whole marriage that I had said, I didn't ask his permission. I said, I'm quitting. Mm-hmm. Like, I cannot do this. Yeah. I cannot lose our kids. Yeah. And so he was really mad at me at first. But then what God did was God opened a door for him to have a new dream. Oh, wow. And so he was able to go off and... Um, start a whole new dream after the whole police yeah, thing. Yeah, because he builds, through. right? And so now he builds and yeah. he has a thriving business. It's JH Craftsman. 
You don't Can we look at it online? If you don't want to, yeah. Yeah. No, um, like I mean, but, I named my penguin. I mean, my penguin. I named, <laughs> I named my flamingo after him, Jesse the flamingo. I know, Jesse the flamingo. Anyway, so jh jhcraftsman.com, okay. but his Instagram is like where he gets. It's beautiful. Probably, stuff. I know it's. So I mean, he's beautiful. so gifted he's in so woodworking. Gifted. Who knew? I know. I know. It's amazing, and it was like this whole. It was like I saw him come alive again, and it was just. So incredible to watch. So not only was I obeying to win my children's hearts, mm. but it turned out I was also obeying because once I quit, I wasn't yes. writing, I wasn't traveling, I wasn't doing anything but being home. And all of a sudden, the world opened to him because he yeah. was always the one who stayed, you know, obviously home with the kids yeah. and did everything while I was off doing whatever yeah. that he didn't have time to pursue his own dream. Tell me y'all's Enneagram numbers again. You're a four. So and I'm, he's a I'm pretty one. sure I'm a four yeah. and he's a one. Okay. Mm-hmm. Man, that is. That I love hearing that from your point of view to go like there are times where the wife gives up her dream for the husband and there are times when the husband yes. gives up the dream for his wife. That's exactly And y'all right. have done both. That we've done both. Yeah. That's we have just done both. incredible. And I would say we're each other's biggest fans. Like every mm. time I wanted to quit before God had told me to quit. Sure. He was like, No. Yeah. Like you will get like you need this to be alive. Yeah. And vice versa. Every time he gets depressed or money's hard and he wants to quit and go back to a regular job. I'm like, no, like God led yeah. you here. Like this yeah. is your dream. Right. And so it's like when one falls, the other picks the other. Yeah. Up. And you feel that. Oh, completely. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that is insane. Yeah. So you did a uh, loom three years and then mm-hmm. Logan, and then kept Logan it going. took it and did it for another three. another three. And then on the seventh year, which was really cool because it's a year of rest, right. she decided to stop and just see what the Lord had and. Yeah. So I don't know if it will ever happen again, but yeah. at this point it's done. It was really fun. It was, it was really fun. It was a great fun. one to go to. I, I miss really telling people to go to that because yeah. there was also a season. I mean, the 2010 to 2014 mm-hmm. was where can bloggers meet up? That's exactly right. And how can we get bloggers together to hang out? And it was so fun because we'd have all been yeah. reading each other for a year. That's why it was so fun. It was so fun. I, I heard somebody say once that going to a blogging conference was like going to a Star Trek conference, right? Like yeah. it seems so weird. Like you're going to a what? Yeah. But it's just a place for kindred community to get together. Yeah. Like you talk to each other online and you do all these things and then you get together. And it was like – it. I can't get that word out of my head. It was honestly, Annie, it was so pure. It was never, not that there's anything wrong with earning, there's nothing wrong with earning money. There's nothing wrong with any of those things. But this was literally, it was just, let's get together. Yeah. And then it did turn into something incredible. Yeah. It was was, so fun. It was was so fun. Are you still blogging at all? I blog sometimes. I mainly, I think I've just gone with the flow. I do a lot of mini blogging on On Instagram. Instagram. Like my daughter will look at my Instagram and she's like, mom, you write so much. I'm like, that's I, how you know I us know. bloggers who've turned to Instagrammers is it's like four paragraphs. And then sometimes you go into the comments, which yes. is like the biggest thing you should not do. <laughs> but I'm like, I have more to say. And my yeah, husband's yeah, like, yeah. why don't you put it on a blog? I'm like, yeah. I don't know. So I I want to blog more. I still like that form. It's yeah. just having a time with podcasting. Tish Oxenrider and, is one of the ones that I see still doing it and being like, yeah, do it. And I know. Where do you, what do you think is the future for blogging? Is there any future left in it? Do we go back to it? I, it, I, uh, we won't have another pioneer woman. Out right. Of it. I don't think it's going to ever go back to what it was. Because Google Reader died. That's my theory. <sighs> I stand by that theory forever. Google the Google Reader, Reader killed blogging. Yeah. I, I don't doubt that. And I think too, and I don't, I don't know this, but for me, the reason I read blogs was I felt like when I had small children, it was a place for me to meet other people 
people who were in the same boat as me when I didn't know anybody in my town because we were new to where I lived. Yeah. And it felt like this place of like, oh, I'm learning all of these things from women like in real time that I can comment back. Like when you read a book, you couldn't comment back. Right. And so it felt like such a source of I could just Google immediately. Like, how do I clean my house? Or how do I potty train my kid? And, And it was just right there. And then me being my personality, I was like, oh my gosh, I want to teach everybody all of the wisdom I have at the ripe old age of like 25. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm going <laughs> to tell them everything. All of those are now um, deleted or right. gone. Oh, really? You've deleted them? You went back to your I blog have and drafted. Oh, I was terrible. <gasps> I don't, what? we shouldn't even talk about how terrible I was. I was the worst. Ask Jessica Turner. She'll tell you. Oh my gosh. Why'd you go back and delete them? <laughs> because I was, I thought I knew everything. No, Annie, I was bad. What? I was terrible. I was earnest. Uh huh. Okay. So everything was right. Tr- you know what I mean? Like true. I really was earnest, but I wasn't. I thought I I thought I'd cornered the market on truth. I thought I knew everything. Oh wow. And it wasn't until God introduced me to more people and I read more widely um that I became a more gracious person. Oh, Sarah, that's really interesting. Uh-huh. So then uh-huh. that made you decide to go back and take down some of the pieces that you had previously been sure of. Yeah, this let me, is a problem with books. <laughs> oh, for sure. We do not get to do that. Well, but that's why we have editors. We didn't have editors for blogs to say like, right. hey, maybe that's not a great thing to do. To say tomorrow morning. To say, right. Yes. <laughs> and I'm already incredibly um, spontaneous as it is. Yeah. And I have I have trouble thinking things through, which over the years I've learned. And my husband's very good for me in that. He'll go, you need to think about that. Mm. And he'll actually, when I have to write an email to somebody that's not an easy email, like I make him read it first. Oh, wow. <laughs> because I'm quick to want to yeah. say things. And yeah. he's like, you can't do that. Like, that's not yeah. wise. So, and um, there were a couple of times mm-hmm. I remember really clearly having Sophie or Melanie, mm-hmm. Boo Mama or Big say, Mama, read a post before I put it out. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. But nine days out of 10 when I was blogging, I just was Right, there, that's how we all did going. it. And I mean, yeah. quite fain, frankly, if I write a blog post now, I don't really run it by anybody unless I think it's going to be controversial or right. something, which I don't really Same with write. Instagram. About one out of yeah. every 10, I run by somebody to yes. go like, I'm going to say something here. I just want to make sure everybody's make fine with sure. that. Make sure. Yeah. And I, I do think I've come full circle. Like, I'm a little more secure in the things I believe now. Not in that I think I have it figured out. I actually feel like I know less. Uh-huh. But I have the graciousness to know when to speak, when not to speak. And I think mm. more, not perfectly, but how to do it in a way that's not being a jerk. Are you te- How are you teaching that to your daughter as she's using mm. the internet and... Mm-hmm. Well, you had to grow up in front of everybody. In I had some to grow ways. up. We do. And, in fact, I'm so glad we're not different. Oh, yeah. Listen. Can you imagine? No. I can't even imagine. I look at like Candace uh-uh. Cameron Bure's life, and I'm like, I uh-uh. like her so much. We, she is dear to me. Mm-hmm. No way can I, do I know what I know how to handle all that. Mm-mm. Growing up like that, or yeah. I mean, I can go back to my blog, and I can take things down. Yes. Like you can't go back to. Oh, it just even. I'm glad I didn't even have Facebook when I was in college. I'm right. Lord. Anyway, so with my daughter, we're very we're pretty strict about um, social media and all of yeah. those things. She has an Instagram, but she has it on my phone, and she can check it every now and then, like when she's with me. Oh, okay. And we've talked about. That's nice. And this is. I'm not necessarily recommending this. Maybe this isn't the best way to do it, but I'm just figuring it out. She's my first yeah. teenager. Yeah. But we'll look through some pictures on Instagram and say, like, what are they conveying? Like, what are they mm. trying to... Because um, it'll be, you know, somebody's entire account will be up close, you know, selfies of their face where they're trying to, like, make themselves look beautiful. And there's nothing wrong with being beautiful. And there's nothing wrong with any of those things. But 
I want her to be more than like I want her yeah. to show more than that maybe. And so we and just that's have a nice way to do it because you're having these conversations of like what are they portraying, not who right. are they? Right, right. Because it's know. not who they. You don't know. Yeah. And we have those conversations too. Yeah. Like we'll say like, why do you think this is happening? Like you know, like I, she'll go, oh look at how this person's acting, and and it's like, well, here are some of the reasons why maybe that is, and why maybe yeah. you're the only one in school who's going to smile at her because everybody yeah. else is talking about her like yeah. this. So we have lots of these conversations oh, on how really we smart. use social media. Um, and at the end of the day, I'm pretty, I don't think I've ever deleted anything she's posted or anything like that, but, um, she's pretty good about it. Yeah. So Instagram to you is the new blog space. So you got to teach her how to live there. It's where you're writing the most. Yeah. 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 And, and now we don't get people to click like we did. I mean, back in when we were writing blogs, it made tons of sense to go, here's a teaser on Twitter, go click, or here's a teaser on Facebook, go click. And it was, it was really wonderful for all of us. Yeah. I mean, you know, honestly, Annie, the whole reason I even became an author was because of that time that we were living in the blogging world, because how I sold my first ebook, I put a link that was like, Hey, if you go share this on Twitter and Facebook, like I'll give it to you for free for the next five hours. And you taught us how to clean, right? And that the first one? Uh, Well, it was for non-cleaners. Oh yes, exactly. (laughs) Who are like, we have to do this. Yeah, that's exactly (laughs) right. So we can afford maids. Yeah, that's right. And, um, and it, we ended up giving away 2000 and selling like 20,000 or something. It was ridiculous, Yeah, but it was because there was that it was not saturated. Right. It was this magical time. Right. Everything's different. I don't know how to do anything anymore. What's? Oh my gosh! Get out of here. What? What's next then? What's the? Ne- what's the new blogging? What's the new space that not everybody's in yet? A podcasting. You think? It feels like there's a lot of people in swimming they're getting in our pool, into which it. I like. They're getting into it. I think uh, what we're going to see next is people like you and me who have our shows where we interview people yeah. and we talk about you know whatever. I think the next wave is going to be people like us dipping into stories like doing mm. um story so whether it's crime stories whether yeah. it's i think quite frankly i would do that if yeah. i had time i would a do like story maybe a crime or maybe like there's this crazy case in my town of dna where somebody did like the ancestry thing yeah and found that after 20 years this dj in our town was the one who murdered this woman <gasps> and i was like nobody's done that like i yeah. could do this whole story on it but it doesn't really fit yeah <laughs> my audience or who i am right but I do. But how about doing a podcast about ancestry, figuring out who uh-huh. family members are that they didn't know? Yeah. Well, that's really true. So I, I heard think... a pastor just tell a story that he found his birth parents mm, based like on ancestry.com because he had never. I like that. So yeah. that's what I think we're going to see. I think we're going to see more people that aren't with big newspapers yeah. or have big backing. I think they're going to start to do it. Yeah. That's what that's I think really we're going to cool. see. Okay. So. More narrative driven mm-hmm. podcast in the I faith do. space yes. that would not exist right now. That's what I think. I only recently this past year learned the term gaslighting. Oh, really? What made you have to learn gaslighting? Can you tell that story? Uh huh. I will tell the story, but okay. I, I want to say this and why yes. it goes into yes, me yes, going yes. like, wow, I predicted that. And why does that matter? Um, because for years of my life, I thought I was crazy. Like mm. I thought I had zero confidence in anything I thought or said. Zero. Wow. Which is probably why I was so opinionated and judgmental online thinking like that would was safe. Yeah. Like to, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe that's interesting. Psychological. Anyway, um, and so for years I thought I was crazy and I had no confidence. Mm -hmm. And um, and I found out that term gaslighting this past year. It's when somebody so convinces you that you are crazy that you don't know what's up and what's down. And I realized that was my mom. Like that was my mom. Life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I feel like this past year has been a year of learning how to say how I feel. Yeah. And believe that, like that's valid. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And learning, I just had this conversation with a friend, learning you can trust your gut. 
Yes. And I'd already, and I had always said it, like, mm-hmm. trust your gut. I teach yeah. my children, like, even if it doesn't make sense, like, listen to your gut. Yep. Like, I always do that, but I didn't. Yes, I didn't either. I, didn't. I wonder if it's something different about the next generation, because the girl I was talking to is 18. She was going to Europe. Mm. And I, and she said, and she, we were sitting with her parents and yeah. me and some friends at a dinner. And she was like, I'm just going to trust myself. I'm just going to trust mm. that when I feel something's off, I'm going to go. And I was like, I wish I would have known for the last 30 years of my life to trust my gut. Mm. Because you, A, it keeps you from getting gaslit quite as easy as it can happen. And it happens. It's happened to me. It's happened yeah. to you. Where someone else goes, what you think is true is absolutely not true. Yes. And you go, no, I was yeah. there. I saw the, I saw all the data that would tell me I'm right. And they go, yeah, you're really wrong. And you're like, how it's- can I be that off? It's like somebody punching you in the face and you have a bruise. Yep. And then they said like, no, you had that bruise. Yeah. You already had it when I got here. You had it when I got here. Or like, oh, no, that you ran into me. Mm-hmm. Like, so you just don't know what's what's yes. true. Yes. Because you so, begin then finally to be like, wait, am I? Wait, did that happen? Right. Because they're so convincing. so convincing. Even if they don't mean to be. And now you've just learned. You can I've just learned trust this. your gut. Like this past year. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm not far mm-hmm. off from you. I'm probably, yeah, October. Mm-hmm. I had an experience in October where a gaslight lighting situation had happened a year mm. before. And the person who did it came back and mm. said, you were right. And I was like, <gasps> I, I mean, I went back to my counselor, Sarah, and I was like, we were right. I knew we were oh. right. I knew, I mean, for a year, mm. I was allowed to believe that I was crazy yep. and that I was wrong. And we yes. sat and my counselor was like, I knew I was right mm-hmm. and I knew you were right and mm-hmm. we were right. And mm-hmm. so just this, it's, it's that same feeling you're having right now of like, I can trust me. Yeah. Yes. Like I do have the thoughts Holy about Spirit things that aren't is crazy. In us. You <laughs> yeah. know, like that is part of it is yes. we can trust. It doesn't mean we're always right. What I said right. to my friend David is, I said, uh, what I know is that I can nine out of 10 times I can trust my gut. And the mm. one out of 10 times I'm wrong, I pretty quickly know why. Yeah. Like, so I, even if I was wrong and I thought, oh, I read that mm. totally wrong. Yeah. I can know why I read it wrong. Yes. That's important. And too. that, and so then yeah. you go, well, then I should always just trust my first instinct and my first gut. And if I'm off, it'll reveal itself pretty that's quickly. Right. Yeah, yep. That's exactly right. And then you can just, you know, t- take a turn. Like, yes, do something exactly. different. You it's can like fix it. what we were saying at lunch about, um, no, nothing has to be permanent. I mean, when we make decisions. Man, that was surprisingly profound. For something that someone should know, I was like, that is very profound. Like, oh, yeah, we don't have to. We were deciding whether to eat inside or outside. And it was like, <laughs> you know what? It's not permanent. Like, yeah. we can decide this, and yeah. then we can change our mind. And how yes. that came about was when I was deciding whether or not to put my kids in public school because we'd homeschooled. Oh, okay. And I had a friend say to me, like, because I was, like, crying and trying to decide, and I felt yeah. like the Lord was leading us this way, but it was so agonizing because I'd only ever homeschooled. Yeah. And and she was like, Sarah, or no, maybe it was my father-in-law. It was somebody wise in my life. Yeah. Said, this is not a permanent decision. Like, maybe mm. you're going to decide to put them in school, and then you decide later to take them out. Like, okay. Yeah. And yeah. that freed me, because he was right. like, why not try it? And I'm right. like, why not try it? My like, friend Casey J that was on in July said, I am an adult, and I can leave a place whenever I want to. Yes, that's <laughs> right. Was like, we are adults, yeah, finally. Like, if, you don't like, if, if you don't like what's going on, get up and take your stuff and go. You don't have yeah. to stay at a massage. You don't have to stay at a church. You don't have to stay at a restaurant. If you want to get up and go, you get up and go, because you can trust mm-hmm. yourself. It's the little girl inside of us, and I mm. think especially the little girl who didn't know how to make decisions, or who doesn't have confidence or who was neglected or lots of reasons. Yeah. Sometimes we revert to that little girl instead of going, you know what? I'm a grown woman and I can handle it. 
Hey friends, just interrupting this conversation to tell you about our friends at Rothy's. I wore my Rothy's yesterday and I absolutely love them. I know you guys have heard me talk about them before. These stylish shoes are for women and girls and they're totally made out of plastic water bottles that have been recycled. They're insanely comfortable and machine washable. And Rothy's has grown to be one of the most loved gotta have them brands. And so it's no surprise that there are over a thousand nearly perfect reviews. I am looking at their website a lot. The current ones that I have are the pointy toe with that are in kind of a bright pink. They're so fun, but there are so many different types of shoes and colors and styles that you can get. They come in a wide range of colors and patterns and are in four different silhouettes, but they're constantly launching new styles. So you're guaranteed to find a pair or three that you're really going to love. There's like no break-in period with these shoes. Plus, Rothy's always comes with free shipping and free returns or exchanges with no risk, no worry. So, y'all, there is no reason to try. It'll absolutely blow your mind that they are made from recycled plastic water bottles. In fact, Rothy's has diverted over 25 million water bottles from landfills. I think that is so cool. I love that part. So, go check out the amazing styles available right now at rothys.com slash Sounds fun. Again, go to rothys.com, R-O-T-H-Y-S.com slash sounds fun to get your new favorite flats. That is a perfect, you didn't do this on purpose. That's a perfect lead in <laughs> to your book, The Complicated Heart. Mm. Um, I mean, for starters, let's just do an overview about your sure. mom. How do you write a book like this mm-hmm. about your mom? Because mm-hmm. it's very... Mm-hmm painful for yes. you and detailed about her mm-hmm. her brokenness yes and I like how you said that yeah I, I, it's very you. true very true uh there's some okay so overview um or how do I write how did I write a yeah story how like do this? you how do you how do you permission yourself to mm-hmm. write all this much truth about your mother uh-huh. I that's such a good question I think it well a couple of things one and this is going to sound callous, but when you hear my second thing you realize it's not yes. she's not alive anymore okay so she passed away two years ago and so I knew there was a freedom to tell our stories mm-hmm. that would not hurt her while she was alive. Now, sure. before you think I'm this terrible, cold-hearted daughter, know this, is that my mom loved to write and she wanted to tell her stories. Like as I, after she passed away, yeah. I read her journals and she's like, I hope one day I can write for good. And yeah. she, and the thing is, I'm writing in a way that I hope honors her and honors the story and honors God. And the reason it would hurt her alive is because she's a mom. And so like, you know, of course it would hurt her. The truth hurts, but this is the truth and it is my story. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like I, I waited, I sat with it for a whole year Mm -hmm. knowing I was going to write it because on her deathbed, I told her I was going to write our story. I mean, I don't think she, I don't know if she heard it. How did she But She, um, so she was an alcoholic for 20 years, like sun up, sundown, vodka drinking, alcoholic. And so, um, she, cirrhosis of the liver, basically it was like stage four cirrhosis of the liver. So uh, alcohol killed her. Alcohol killed her. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're sitting with her on her deathbed and you say, and I'm she's going to tell our story, mom. Yeah. But it was like a pot. It was like a good thing because God had done yeah. so many miraculous things yeah. that it was like, I'm going to tell what God has done here. So this wow. wasn't like I'm telling a tell all to be gross and sure, just like sure. tell a bunch of yucky things. Yeah. It was like, one, it, 
<laughs> I knew I needed to tell the story yeah. because God did amazing things. Yes. Two, I know other women who are hurt and broken because of really toxic or messed up relationships need to know, like, how do I forgive when the wound is still open? Yeah. How do I grieve these things? Yeah. Am I crazy? Yeah. Uh, they've been manipulated. They don't know how to set boundaries. They don't know how to mourn their losses. They're very valid losses. And I wanted to say, like, here, read this story and see yeah. what God has done and what yeah. the Lord taught me about how to do all of those things. Because yeah. I have women say to me all the time, like, how do you do that? Yes. Like, how did you have a relationship? Like, how, yeah. you know, so many questions questions because she's still your mom i mean that's the crazy still, part is the story right. is she was broken she was broken and that's the other thing it led but me to she it taught me to love people yes because i hated her like there was a time i mean i hated her yeah. and god told me to not break relationship now that's not for everybody and you were like a kid when the lord told you that right mm, teen. There a time? Okay, late teen teenager. late yeah. teen and um well you know what i'm gonna say early 20s i had become a christian okay late uh early uh, end of teens early 20s and I, you were late becoming a Christian. Late becoming a Christian. <laughs> like, Everybody, y'all need to just become a Christian. Me. Don't yeah. do it late. No, <laughs> isn't that funny? If you're 20, you're late. To Sorry, what? too late. I don't know why I said that. That's really funny. I know you I should think, ask yourself why you know, that feels late to you. You know why I think it's because I'm talking to you, and I think you had gone to church since you were like forever sure, little, yeah. even though you didn't get baptized till college or whatever. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and when I talk to a Christian who's been a Christian forever, I tend yeah, to say that. You're so like, I was late, but I no, was late. girl. There is no late. <laughs> There's no late. There's, There's no that's late. Ridiculous. Yeah. So anyway, so it was after you became a Christian. After I became a Christian, like, yeah. and I felt like I was like, I want you to stay in a relationship with her. And then he had to teach me how to do that. Because you took didn't live with years. her when you were really little, right? Mm-mm. I lived with her, like really. My parents were divorced before I was a year old. Okay. So then I lived with her for like two years, I think. And Are there siblings? Got, yes, but we have different dads. Okay. And then my dad got custody of me, and then I was fourteen. I was like. I didn't know she was an alcoholic. I just thought she was really cool. I always said I want to be just like my mom or Madonna. Like, oh, wow. those were my standards. <laughs> and so I... I cannot blame you. That no, feels very 1980-something. Right? Very, yeah, very 1980-something. And so when I was 14, I was like, Dad, I want to go live with my mom. Like, mm. I didn't understand why I didn't. I just had never questioned it because it was yeah. my normal was living yeah. with my dad, who was wonderful. Um, I didn't, you know, I didn't know all the issues. And I think he was too tender to really spell them out for me or maybe... Yeah. He didn't know how bad it had gotten. I don't yeah. really know, but what was he going to say? I was like, I could go to court and I could, you know, such a teenage thing such to do. Such a 14-year-old. Right. And so um, I moved in with her and that's when um, it was real awesome at first because I could do anything. I had no rules. Oh, wow. You know, and I was could, it just the two of y'all? It was, and my sister and her 20-year-old boyfriend. Okay. <laughs> I mean, not my sister's point, my mom's. 20-year-old boyfriend. <laughs> oh, wow. Your yeah, yeah, yeah. My mom's 20-year-old boyfriend. boyfriend. You're 14. I'm 14. Oh, mm-hmm. my gosh. And my okay. sister was like eight or something, nine. And oh. uh, and it, so at first it was like, this is amazing. I can do anything I want. Like, there's no rules. I don't have to make my bed. Yeah. Like, you know, all the things that seem incredible when you're 14. Yeah. But then, you know, time starts to go on. And my mom was very – and I had not experienced this. Like – like she was just very, um, she was verbally abusive. Yeah. And she would like I I had braces and I would come home from school and smile and she'd be like you're so ugly, like oh don't smile with your braces or like just. Um, and she was drunk the whole time though, right? I guess I don't know who she actually was. 
Oh, wow. that's the thing because she drank all the time. And do you know, like, do you know your grandparents? Do you know any of the backstory that tells you how she got there? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, there are so many things. So, so this is this is why the other thing I did to honor my mom yeah. is I have her journals at the end of every chapter. No, I can't believe mm-hmm. it. It's like her actual. One so it's of like what she was thinking at the time because yes. to me she I like she was terrible. Like I hated yeah. her. But then I went back after she died. Of course, I read these journals. I find out so many things, and yeah. I'm screaming in the car driving after she dies. Mm-hmm. Like God, why didn't I know? Wow. Like, why couldn't? Because there's a thread. There's always a thread in our lives. Yeah. yeah. And I knew she'd had issues with her dad. Like, I knew she never felt loved. I knew yeah. all she ever wanted in life was to be unconditionally loved by her dad. Yeah. I knew that. And she felt yeah. like she never had it. Yeah. And then there was other things that happened. We were, um, when I was, I want to say 10, 9 or 10, my mom was accused of sexually abusing us. Oh, wow. It was not true, but it devastated um, the families, there was lots of families involved because yeah. my sister has a different family. Sure. And it devastated my mom. She yeah. had to go like take lie detector tests. And she, I found some journals that were like, I adamantly like disagree with this. Like I did not molest yeah. my children, yeah. but, um, it was so horrid. And my sister was, um, essentially kidnapped for six months during this time. Cause her, um, dad had taken her and oh then all these accusations and then they had to fire, uh, hire private investigators to find her like this is all in in the book we it's a crazy story and it just I think more things just broke her yeah over the years and I really think that was the one that did it because before I'd moved in with her I would visit her in the summers and like we were great yeah I was only with her for two months right but it was like she was so fun and she loved me and she would write me letters about how much she loved me when I was a kid you know and then I move in with her and it's like, who is this person? Like, yeah. she's mean. She's cold. She doesn't nurture me. I sat down next to her once and she pushed me away. She's like, what are you, a lesbian? Like, oh my gosh. Like, so it was so confusing. And even when you're a teenager, you want to be loved. Oh my gosh, by your mother. By your mother. And yeah. so so I didn't have anybody then to talk to. Like, yeah. I didn't have anybody to go to. I'm not going to go to the 20-year-old boyfriend. My sister was way right. younger than me. And so what does a teen girl do? Well, she goes to a guy. Yeah. So I found a guy. He had a crack-addicted mother. And he was in major poverty. Like, he would wear my my uh, shoes to school. This oh, was, my gosh. We lived in Georgia in a small, tiny, tiny town. Yeah, I was about to say, where in Georgia? Yeah, it was Can called... Can you say or no? It was Bowden. Bowden, Georgia. Oh, yeah. It's like on the border of Alabama. Of course. Know. Okay. Yeah. I grew up in Marietta. Did you, so, oh, really? Yeah, okay. Yeah. And I went to UGA where everyone is yeah. from a city in Georgia. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. okay. Most people never have heard yeah, of that. Yeah, of course. So, and, um, and y'all and just he met didn't, at school. Yeah, and he didn't have a dad. And like I said, his, his mom was addicted to drugs. And um, and so we just we became each other's. It wasn't so much that like, oh, I'm in love with him. It was like he became my boyfriend out of necessity and wanting love from yeah, each other. Yeah, um, And just it was needing like a person. Kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, like you just need somebody. Yeah. Um, and so that went down a lot of crazy roads, which I'm happy to talk about, but I don't want to just hijack and talk the whole time. No, 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 no. This is what I want you to do. I mean, it just is, it, and that's in the book, right? There's so many roads that we could go down on the things. I mean, I got pregnant at 16, like so many things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, oh yeah, it's it's all in there. But the three years that I was in Georgia were probably the most damaging. 14 to 17? Yeah, years of my life. Really? And because of those years so many things like came out of that like mm. they impacted me so deeply that how i went out then into the world as a young woman yeah. i had to find love in a body like just yeah. being with somebody else yeah. i could not be alone i would have massive anxiety um i i 
couldn't hug people unless I was going to have sex with them, basically, because I never had that physical, like, loving touch. Right. And then I had an abortion when I was 16, and I um, didn't want to. But at three months along, I felt like I had to because nobody would talk to me or touch me or love me or anything. And so it was extraordinarily lonely and painful. And your mom now? Yes, but she had had abortions that she'd never dealt with. Oh, wow. And she, she, that's another thing. She was in so much pain. I think her family made her have one when she was a teenager, and then she had one later. Is she from Georgia? No, she lived all over. Her dad was military. Okay. So she was in Alaska and Florida and yeah. everywhere. And yeah. so, um, so she had all these wounds. And, you know, when we don't face our wounds and the reality of our pain, they're going to come out yeah. in all kinds of ways. Right. And so one of the damaging things with having the abortion, which I have since gone through incredible healing work and counseling and, and God's been, been so faithful. courageous and generous to us to talk about it. I mean, I'm, yes. I'm, thank but that's because the Lord, I mean that yeah. truly, I genuinely mean that like, that's not me being like Christianese. Right, <laughs> like right, right. I did not want to talk about right. these things. And I remember the first time I wrote my story, my husband said, if God's telling you to do it, like you have to do it. And I just cried like the whole mm. time I closed my eyes and I just wrote it crying. Yeah, yeah. Um, because there's so many things that can go wrong when you tell a story like that. And they do and they do. And yeah. I have people who stop talking to me because of it. But yeah. um, anyway, so all of these years I had, you know, kind of um, thought I was healed from the abortion. And what I didn't realize was that was another one of the ways where I felt like somebody else controlled my body. Because there was also oh, abuse wow. in my past. Like there was some... Sure sexual abuse stuff and and so but it was all twisted with thinking I liked a person like my ex stepbrother moved in with us and I had like a huge crush on him but I was 14 and he was 18 and he shouldn't have done the things that he did and so that confused me right like what's love and what's you know what I don't understand all these things happening and they that all of those things make their way into your marriage like they just do because I was married young I was 23 right my husband was 20 he turned 21 on our honeymoon so I had not yet dealt with all of the – women are 40, 50, 60 haven't dealt with these things. Yeah, I mean, yeah. these are heavy things. And why did I flinch when my husband would touch me? Yeah, why, right? Yeah. Like these are all things that I would beat myself up for or blame myself. And it yeah. wasn't – it's been more recently going like, have you read the book, The Body Keeps the Score? Yes. Okay. That was when I first was like – They told me about it on site. Okay. It's incredible. Where I was like, oh my gosh, like – Maybe my body's reacting to things. I'm mm. skipping over so many healing no, and freedom you're pieces. Doing great. No, 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 no. But this is where I am today. Yeah. Um, but anyway, one of the things was because I felt like I I had made the choice and said, yes, I'll have the abortion. But I was being interviewed on a podcast years ago. He had a death podcast, which sounds yeah. so morbid, yeah. but he did. And he interviewed me about the abortion. And he was the first person in my life to say, it sounds to me like you didn't really have much of a choice. Oh, wow. And all of a sudden, that brought up so many more things. Right. Because I was like, then I was angry. Because I had already done all this healing work. Right. And then all of a sudden, I was like, how is this? Because then I'm in in counseling now. And and it's kind of like my counselor's like, how do you, like, why do you feel like you have to put all these walls up to your husband? Right. And it was because he can't have his way. Like, he doesn't get his Mm. way even though that's never been my since like the most yeah. general, you know. And we realized some of that, not all of it, but some of that is actually tied to the abortion where it was like I let everybody have their way over my body in yeah. all these different ways that yeah. I just was the nice girl. Like I was mm-hmm. kind of like, okay. Mm-hmm. And then I just wanted love so bad. Yeah. And then nobody ever talked about it afterwards. So we just had to be okay. Wow. That I didn't, it's, I'm, you know, like you're, gosh, Annie, you have a way of pulling people out. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> Uh, anyway, I'm like You're doing now and we're pulling it out. How we can wall ourselves up, even if it's a different, 
even if it's intimacy with my husband, how can that relate to an yeah. abortion because somebody yeah. else controlled yes. my body? Like things like that. Your body keeps the score. You're my body it. keeps the score, yes. right? Yes. So I'm only just learning these things. I don't have answers to them. Um, I have answers for a lot of things with my mom yeah. and, and through that healing. But these are some of the tender places that because my mom never dealt with her pain right. in so many areas with her dad. Her dad was yes. I'm, was abusive, yeah. um, never feeling loved, uh, sexual molestation ac- accusations that weren't true, her daughter getting kidnapped, yeah. um, her own abortions that she didn't want, um, but never fa- but never have being able to face them because right. you just shoved them away. Right. And I literally remember when I told her I was pregnant, she just stared at me with like a blank face. The first time with yeah, the, yeah, yeah. when you were 16. And like just checked out. Like literally, Gosh. it was like people are like, "How did she respond?" I'm like, "I don't know." Like she wasn't there. Right. Like it was like she checked out mentally and physically right. and emotionally because I think she didn't know what to do. Right. And so all of these things lead, I think, to the thread of sort of, it's not an excuse of why somebody would become an alcoholic and then become a total mean jerk to their kid. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a reason. Yeah. Like I can look back and I can have compassion. Yes. On the human yeah. made in God's image that God loves and her yeah. tenderness and her sadness. Like yeah. I couldn't be the person for her to uh, walk through that with her necessarily. Right. right. And she wouldn't have let me. Yeah. And I wouldn't have known to do that at the time. Yeah. But the reason that God asked me to forgive her was so that I could love her, mm-hmm. so that I could drop any expectations of her being a mother. Yeah. And just love her as another And love her on the with planet. boundaries. Like yes. I set yeah. lots of very strict yeah. boundaries. I don't want anybody listening to think I'm saying like, toss it all out and right. like throw yourself into their life no matter right. how much they hurt you. Right. Yeah. So his name is Caleb Wilde. That's right. And the book right. is called Confessions of a Funeral Director. Yes. Um, yes. So talk for just a second. This is, thank you for saying all this, by the way. You're mm-hmm. I really appreciate you telling this story. Mm, um, it matters to so much. I'm just thinking of... Counselor I Annie. Have all the, no, just friend <laughs> Annie. I'm just having all these pictures of mm. in my mind of women listening to this in all these different places in their home. Mm. And some of them drink too much. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty secret and they yes. don't know. Yes. They don't know that it's a... Well, they know it's a problem, but they don't think anybody else knows it. Yes. Talk, my mom was like that. She never, ever realized it. Yeah. So talk to the woman who's just like... Hey, I'm just trying to get by, and a yes. little vodka in my water bottle isn't yeah, that yeah, big yeah. of a deal. Help her. Yeah. What, as a child of a woman who started out that way at some point, yeah. what do we say to the women who are listening? And some of the men, I mean, there are men who are yeah. drinking during the day, not because they're golfing, but because they need an escape. Yeah, yeah. What do we say to these people who have brought alcohol in as a, as a healing agent mm-hmm. into their life? I would say that... Well, one, I'm just going to lay this out there. Yeah. Um, everybody has hope for a different story. So you don't have to keep doing the things you're doing just because you're doing them. Yeah. I just need to lay that That's out really as a blanket good. thing. You can stop. Like, it can change today. The story it can, can change, change today. today. That's right. It can yeah. change. Yeah. Uh, but it's going to be hard yeah. and painful yeah. because anytime we go to anything for an escape, it starts probably as fun or innocent or maybe not. Or but small. Or small, right. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we're doing anything for any kind of escape or we find that we need it, like you can't really go a day with maybe putting without putting some vodka in your water bottle. Um, that's where you're going to have to have the courage yeah. to say, uh, what is really going on that I don't want to face? Mm-hmm. Is it because I'm so exhausted with my kids that I feel like this is the only way to deal with it? Yeah. Is it because my marriage is really crappy right now? Mm-hmm. Uh, is it because there's something in my past that maybe is surfaces when I see certain things and yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to face that? Like, I think that there's usually always something under the surface. Yeah. 
Um, You're not just taking the edge off because you want to have a better day. <laughs> yeah. And I think it starts that. Like, I think that's the story we tell ourselves. Yes. That's what Brene Brown says. Like, what is the story we're telling ourselves? Yeah. And I think the story that a lot of people tell themselves is this isn't a big deal. Yeah. And I'm just taking the edge off. Yeah. And that's how my mom started. Yeah. <laughs> like, she would just have a beer, like, yeah. after work in front of the TV. Is there anything wrong with that? No. no. We can all do that. Right. We can we all do should, that. Yes. But I do think it's wise to pay attention yeah. and to be alert. Yeah. And when something becomes secretive where you feel like you can't s- say anything about it or you kind of start to hide it, yeah. that's a really huge red blinking light yeah. of like, yeah, tell somebody about that. Who do you that. tell? Who, do th- who does she go to? I think that you, and I don't know if my mom had anybody, but I would say for anybody listening, is there one safe person in your life that you feel like you could open up to? And if there isn't, then I would say make a counseling appointment. <laughs> yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. Like, l- l- guess what the counselor's already heard eight times today? Someone exactly. who's drinking too much. Exactly. And I so would start with a friend nothing. if you can. But yeah. if you don't, or, or a spouse. A friend is free. <laughs> a friend is free, that's right. Or a spouse, who you think I can't yeah. tell. I remember, um, Annie, just a year and a half, two years ago, I decided to go on medication for my anxiety and depression. Mm. And I did it behind my husband's back because I was so scared that he would judge oh, me or wow. that he would... Um, I just gave him zero benefit of the doubt. Yeah. And so what I did instead was I was angry at him all the time. And finally, he took me to breakfast one morning, and he's like, why are you so angry? And I was like, because I'm on medication. I know you think people who are on medication are crazy and blah, blah, blah. He's like, you haven't even given me the chance. Right. Like, you haven't even talked to me. Yes. And he was right. Yeah. And and he was so gentle when I explained, like, I've been struggling with this for so long, and I I didn't know how to tell you because I was afraid. And really, it was the, the story I was telling myself was yeah. that my husband would think I was crazy. It goes back to the gaslighting thing, no confidence. Yes. That I put on him. We always put our crap on people when we don't deal with it, <laughs> FYI. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and, I, and, um, and he's been such a support to yeah. me. Yeah. So we tell ourselves stories and they become so true to us that we think there's no other explanation. Yeah. I can't imagine letting this show go by and us not hold her hand for a second and say, mm, yes. we see you. Yes. You are, you are so normal for feeling this. Yes. And it is so, if you knew, if we could, if we were in a room or in a stadium mm. and we said, raise your hand, if you maybe drank too much this week, yes. a lot of women would raise their hands. Yeah. Even if we just said, maybe, Yeah, you know, a lot of women right. would raise their hands. And mm-hmm. so you are so normal mm-hmm. for what you are struggling with and what feels hard today. Yeah. It, it, the story can change today too. And while we don't want to necessarily live out of our feelings, our feelings are so important. Like they're valid. Like if you're depressed, you're depressed. If you're sad, you're sad. If you're feeling anxious or overwhelmed, like those are all true things to listen to, not to avoid or escape. And also if it's gotten worse for you, there is always hope to change. It doesn't matter how bad it's gotten. It doesn't matter if your kids aren't talking to you anymore. There's still hope for change. Like the story that I wrote is all about how God answers impossible prayers. Yes. And he doesn't always do it the way we expect. Annie, you and I both know this. That's right. But this is a miraculous story of what God did. And I I had the opportunity uh, maybe a year ago to go speak to some women who were addicts. Yes. And they were in recovery. And a lot of them, their kids had stopped was talking it like to celebrate them. Celebrate recovery? Was it one of it was those? Not, was it was not. It was not a. Uh, I don't know what it was called. It was not. Yeah. It was out in Wyoming, actually. And um, which people should mm, know, you love traveling and speaking at events, at conferences, at churches, and I do. They can get all that at sarahmay.com. sarahmay.com okay. forward slash speaking. Okay, perfect. And so you're talking to the. So I'm talking recovery. to these women, and they're in tears because they're like, our kids don't talk to us anymore. Like we know that we've screwed up so bad, and they have. Mm. But like so many of us have, and maybe some of theirs 
had worse consequences. But I told them the story of my mom. And I said, there's always hope, you guys. Like, you don't, this doesn't have to be the end of the story for you. Like, you can go back. You can talk to your kids. You can make changes. Maybe it won't be perfect. You're going to need a lot of help. And it's going to be hard. And you're going to have to be brave. But you can do this with somebody else one step at a time. Like, you don't have to just give up and say, this is it. My story's done. Like, no, it's not. You're breathing. Your story's not done. Man, do you know what I love about this is it feels like, there's two ways someone can read the complicated heart story, mm-hmm. like your mm-hmm. book. They can read your motive. They can mm. either read mm. she is hurt and she's exposing her mom, mm-hmm. or what I actually think is true, what I actually know is true, mm-hmm. is that you are now giving your mom a chance to do ministry to other women by partnering with her in her death and in her life, and you are giving her a chance to to be a part of setting other women free, That she, what yes. she actually could not do alive. That's exactly right. Oh, and that's so special. And oh, here it is. Okay. This was in a journal. I don't know if you can read oh, it. Oh, yeah. To. Can I read it? This uh-huh. is this, this is this is way back. I don't she was go, she she was married five times. Like she yeah. had so many things. And I found this in one and, of her journals. In one of her journals. This is uh-huh. what your mom wrote. Uh-huh. I wish part of my purpose would be to write, to give something to others through my writing. God is just waiting for the right time for me to begin my new life. Uh-huh. <sighs> And I have goosebumps all over my body. So please, everybody who's listening, I have compassion for the brokenhearted, ticked-off daughter out there. Yeah. And I have compassion on the brokenhearted woman who, who's, who's so hurt yeah. and is hurting her family. Yeah. Both. Sarah, she wrote that. I have chills, too. I wish part of my purpose would be to write, mm-hmm. to give something to others through my writing. Mm-hmm. God is just waiting for the right time mm-hmm. for me to begin my new life. And who knew the right time? I mean, it's going to make me cry. I know. It's going to make me cry. Like, the right time was now. Like, yeah. And she's not here to see it. Right. But she is with Jesus. Like, right. she is. And anyway, so I love it because it's not just my voice. Like, yeah, you have my voice in here. And it sounds at times like a kind of whiny victim because, it, for, quite frankly, I wrote first person. Sure, so I would yeah. take myself back. Back to those yes, ages, I would too. Um, and I hate that term, whiny victim. Yeah, I don't. You're not. I'm not. No. But that's how I, you know, people say that those right. kinds of things to you. But then you also have my mom's voice. Like she gets to have a voice. Yeah. It's not just mine. I mean, there she gets are, a in voice. every chapter. As I'm flipping, I'm flipping through it right now. Yeah. Every single chapter, there's a has piece. journal entries from your mom. Uh huh. And oh even the hard gosh. ones I didn't want to put in. Like there's one where she talked about she lived with us when they said she was going to die. We moved her in with us, which was insane. And my husband got shingles and it was yeah, terrible. But yeah. I didn't want her to die alone. And she wrote how I would give her no time of day. I was too busy on my computer. Oh well, I didn't want to put that in there. That's no embarrassing. Kidding. But I did because that's her <sighs> voice. And that she felt lonely. And I yeah. learned that only after she died. Yeah. yeah. I, I like this. Uh, after mom quits drinking. This mm. is an entry. She says, praise the Lord. I've got to say that no vodka is very, very special mm. and a huge blessing to my quality of life. Yeah. That's... And she'd never acknowledged her drinking, but like two times in her journals, like before wow. that, like she, 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 I found journals where she would say, I don't understand why people are mean to me at work. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, probably cause you smelled like vodka and right. you were like making fun of somebody <laughs> and being, so, my mom was a right. brilliant manipulator, brilliant yeah. at sarcasm. Yeah. She could tear you down right. and she had zero edit. She said yeah. anything and everything that entered her brain. And so you read her, this is why it's called the complicated heart, by the way. Yeah. It's because she has this one side of her that would like claim Jesus and say how much she loved her kids and like write how she didn't yeah. understand why people were this way to her. And then yeah. she had this part of her on the outside that was like so rough, so unedited, so right. cruel. Right. And you're like, how do we make sense of this? And we yeah. feel this is the complicated heart. This is life is complicated. And when people uh, are hurt, it just, 
it, it's all very complicated, and, and we need to allow God to untangle all the complicated yeah. places. And even on this earth, you're still going to be complicated. Yeah. But... I lo- I'm going to read one more of your okay. mom's journal entries. <laughs> I she love says, that you're doing this. I've begun... This is 2013. Mm. I've begun writing again for Sarah, <sighs> who keeps... This is made me cry. Mm. Who keeps pleading with me to write. Mm. Hopefully, I can inspire her and move her soul. I know. And I never knew those things. Yeah. And now (laughs) y'all wrote a book together. And now we... Right? Yeah. That is like... Mm. That is really something. You are doing some hard work. You have such a way about (laughs) you. (laughs) I'm just reading what your mom wrote, man. I'm just here. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I have to tell you a funny story so I don't cry out loud. Um, When... (laughs) <laughs> grief is a weird thing. Yeah. <laughs> and it comes out in really weird ways. And I'm a big advocate of like, let the grief do its work, yeah, even if it's weird to. and yeah, doesn't make sense. You've got to. So on the one year anniversary of my mom dying, I don't know why, but I was, I went into a grocery store. I'm crying in the grocery store. I see a plant. I grab the plant. I'm like, uh-huh. I have to have a plant. Yeah. And I buy this plant. Okay. Mind you, I have never in my life kept alive a plant. It's a yeah. miracle. My kids are like alive. <laughs> like I, I can't even keep fish. Like, right. Got a dog, and I'm like, babe, it's all on you. To my husband, like, <laughs> so I have this plant, and in my grief, I start calling it Susie. I know this is so wacky. Like, name. yes, it's yeah. insane. And no. all of a sudden, we're calling her Susie Hope. And the joke no. is, this plant, two years later, is still alive. And everybody's like, when I go out of town, they're like, we have to water Susie. Nobody can let Susie die. Wow. Like this plant can never ever die because yeah. we have all called it now Susie, which is so morbid and weird. No, I love it. But that's that was part of a grief process for me is this plant that has actually is still named after your mother and still weirdly named after my mother. (laughs) we have the plant oh i think this book is so special sarah may thank Thank you you. for whatever whatever Mm. the cost was here it's so deep but i think so many of us um have so much to learn from you and your mom so thank you for doing the work thank you annie okay sarah but so my thought is for any child who's grown up like you Mm. who has experienced some of this and just is like, please don't let me, <laughs> please don't let me send this on. Yeah. What do you, I mean, you have a PDF, you have advice. Yes, how, how can, I do actually. And this isn't just for women with kids. This is, we all have influence, right? Amen, girl. Yes. And I mean, I've got to watch what I'm passing on yes. to all of our friends who are listening. I mean, That's it's one so of the true. reasons You're I, a steward. Oh, I take it. I take it very seriously that my help right. comes through this microphone. That's right. So, so here's the biggest thing I want to say first is that, whether you were born into it, whether you created it yourself, whether you married mm, into it, yeah. dysfunction is not, doesn't have to be your identity. It doesn't have right. to be your destiny. That's dysfunction good. is not your legacy. Yes. Victory is always on the table. And so dysfunction is not your legacy. Dysfunction is Victory not your legacy. Is always on the table. That's right. Man, if you make that into a print that we can buy, I'm going to buy 18 of those. Okay, I'm taking a note yeah. of that. <laughs> I'm going to send you one. Is not your legacy. legacy. Victory is, is always, always on, on the, the table. table. That's right. And so Ooh. I created this thing for people who, because I get lots of women going like, I don't want to pass these things on yeah. to my kids or the people I influence. Yeah. It's called Four Ways to Be a Generational Bondage Breaker. Okay. And it's totally free. And it's at sarahmay.com forward slash become a bondage breaker. Okay. And just I'm a sure free if we PDF. go to the home page, we can Or if you just go to, to sarahmay.com, you can find yeah, it. But, That's right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Man, thank you for that. That is Aww. really kind of you to offer that as a, as a freebie. Yay. That is so helpful. Um, and people can get complicated heart. Anywhere. Yeah, this Everywhere. Week. Happy launch when week. When does this, is that when you're putting this yeah. out? Oh, Annie, thank Happy you. Happy launch week, yeah. Oh, thank you yeah. so much. 
Yes. So, oh um, happy launch week. Yeah. Anywhere. Buy it anywhere this week. Oh my gosh. It ah. feels like a, a book that um, often I will say to people, uh, tell me a book that is a great gift. And this is a great gift, but also this is the mm. one that every one of us needs to just buy mm. and read through one time and then prayerfully hand it off. Yes. Yes. This is a book. I literally wrote it so you could give it to your hairdresser. Yes. Like when she's talking to you about her mom or yes. something, because yes. I have these conversations with my hairdresser, with uh-huh. everybody else. Uh-huh. It's not so like, um, it's not real Christianese. It's not, I don't know how to say it. It's just, I want you to say that. It's very, um, you can, it's very palatable no matter what anybody can read it. That's That's right. That's super important to me. Everyone that comes on our show that we become friends with like you, I mean, you and I are already friends, but this is the first time my people are meeting you. Mm. Um, we don't all believe the same thing. Right. And so I only want books that all my friends would want to read. Mm -hmm. And so that mattered to me. So I'm glad Mm. it's not just so far into language. It's my story. So I taught Jesus is in there, but it's not anybody could read it. Anybody could read the story. just like a novel. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is. Yeah, it really does. So I would say get one, go ahead and get two today, but get one for you and then just hold on to, you're not going to want to give it away. So hold on to the other Mm. one until God says, until you feel that thing. We talk a lot about listening to God's voice. So this yeah. would be a great way to practice. Like, mm. let me get a book and listen. Yes, and see if God puts someone, put it in your glove compartment, yes. put it in your backpack, mm-hmm. whatever, and just be ready for that mm. little nudge that goes, maybe this person needs yes. a complicated heart. Oh, thank so you. So that would, well, thank you for giving us a book that is a good way for us to practice here in God. I mean, and, and be do you a have friend confetti? to people. Uh, confetti yeah, we do popper? have confetti poppers. Of course we do. We I always do. pop some confetti. We have, a, <laughs> we have, look, Jenna's opening the drawer right now. I need you to turn around and see we have an entire drawer called fun things oh my gosh and it's full of confetti poppers I, i'm gonna need to pop one yeah what color do you want i want pink do you have pink do we I really because have... flamingos are pink do yeah. you know that flamingos are born white and the only reason they're pink is because of all the shrimp they eat so basically <gasps> if they didn't they'd look like mangled swans <laughs> i just but found that out take changes what they here's what oh you ready? metaphors coming metaphors coming i'm very oh girl this is good I'm this is gonna change it. the whole gift yes 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 whatever you take in is what the world sees girl right so they're taking in shrimps that are turning out pink i got shrimp i mean okay, i don't have shrimp go. i have goosebumps but are I you said ready I i'm gonna video you, you said I oh shrimp. yes i did i just said I've got okay shrimp. hold on okay, i'm gonna no, video no, you no this doing is it. embarrassing to tell you that i don't know how to do it oh okay hold on let me help you first let me just pull for everyone listening this one is particularly loud yes. uh because it that is a champagne it popper so <gasps> so you pull the string down this is how you hold it you hold it so the string is down and the uh, rest is up. Okay, okay are you ready? I just shoot? pull the string. I mean, we've never had anyone shoot a confetti popper live on the podcast. I am shooting You're the, first. here we go. Yay! Woo! Yeah. <laughs> yes! And it's pretty, all it's of the so colors. <laughs> I'm so happy. I'm so, look. Right? Isn't I it just, great? Okay, I'm sorry. I know, there you go. I only just saw it today for the first time, by the way. I know, I love oh, that. It's so brand new to you. It's so it's special. so brand new. Good job, so, Jenna. Thanks. It's not See, even the final one. There. There's pain. Isn't that fun? Oh I my know. Gosh, okay, the last question we always ask, because the podcast is called That Sounds Fun. Tell me what you do for fun. Mm-hmm. Okay, I knew you were going to ask this question. Okay, good. And then I fell asleep on the plane thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, this right now, going into this season of going and traveling and doing all these fun things, yeah. this is actually super fun. And the oh, most fun part about it is this is the first season that my daughter, who's 13, yeah. gets to travel with me. Oh, I love it. And it has been the most fun. Like, we have had so much fun yeah. together. Yeah. And now I don't ever want to travel without her. And I have two yes. more kids, so I'm going to have to, yes, have yes, to yes. do that. <laughs> but, like, it's it's such a delight. Yes. So I fun. love it. When y'all go to cities – 
Uh-huh. Is there something you always do? Like, do you always try to find a coffee or a donut? Or do y'all always like jump on the beds when you get to the hotel? Jump on the bed. That's what do we do. You? Every time we walk in, it is a tradition that I jump on the bed. And if there's two, we jump from one to the mean, next. Oh, oh yeah. And we film it every time. Oh, brilliant. Oh, yeah, so yeah. if everybody follows you on Instagram, Sarah oh, May. When I travel, you M-A-E. will see an, uh, yes. an Instagram story that I jump on the bed. It's Sarah oh, May I Rights. love it. Yeah. Okay, so good. for sure. Um, thank you for doing this. Thank you, thank you so you for much writing for letting this book me and telling your story. <laughs> and and I just uh, even on the worst days of all this, I honor you and your mom thank for you. the work y'all are doing together in this book. And thank I you. can't imagine that she uh, would have had it any other way. <sighs> Seems really special. I think so. if this book does decent, I need to if it, we ever do another run, I should put her name on the cover. Yeah. too. Yeah. I didn't. I wish I would have thought at that. some point. Let's yeah. get let's get an artist to paint it <sighs> and add your mom's name at the top. That's what you should do. Mm. We can we can we can help you with that. We'll mm. figure that out. So. so good. All right, love you, friend. Thank love you. you. Gracious, I love her. What a truth teller and just a brave woman. I just think the world of Sarah May. I hope you'll grab a copy of her book, The Complicated Heart. It's just such an interest. I, like I, I said in the show, I just don't know that I've ever seen anything like this between the journal entries and the conversations and the voice change back and forth from Sarah and her mom. It's just really, it's really amazing. So I think you'll really like it. Grab a copy of that and make sure you tell Sarah Mae thanks for being on the show. Give her a follow all across social media and tell her how much this conversation meant to you. And if you need anything from me, I'm embarrassingly easy to find Annie F. Downs all over the internet, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, wherever you would want to find me. I think that's it today, friends. Y'all go out and do something that sounds fun to you, and I will do the same. And we'll see you back here on Monday with one of my dearest friends, Jess Connolly. She is the girl for the job, and so are you. We'll see you back here on Monday. Y'all have a great weekend.